Hello, hello. So I wanted to record a quick kind of blend of a few things that I wanted to mention and some questions from members and subscribers that have come in uh, to see if that info might be helpful for some of you. I'm back in Texas from Sedona and I'm sitting here with a giant mug of Awaken the Shin. I share that one often from Jing Herbs. It's one of my favorite tonics for keeping your heart open and peaceful energy. And reishi is always good for me for allergies and grounding and all the things. But it's a really softening, sweet blend. And then I added some chaga and some pearl and some monk fruit sweetener and some nut milk. So I'm sitting here drinking that and I wanted to chat about some questions that have come in and also um, some things that I've thought about as far as earth luck since I've been back in Texas. So as you know, I've been traveling. Well, if you've been listening to this, you know that I've been traveling for two years and so I often go out for a month or a couple months and then I come back to Texas with family and then I go out and then I come back and... My stuff's been in storage for two years. I mean, I do have some things and I came with like, there's probably four or five boxes of books in storage, which I've been trying to limit myself. Like if I buy a book, I have to get rid of a book. Um, But I've definitely acquired another whole box of books (laughs) along my travels. So I'm going to have to go through. That is one thing to think about when it comes to our earth luck is a lot of us hold on to old books like books that we've had for forever or like I was thinking I used to study herbalism and I have all these herbalism books and I don't really need all of them because it's not a focus you know the human design books and the astrology books and all of that stuff is like stuff I still pull and I still pull from all my energy work books and um and I do pull herbal cures and things for um for like medical astrology and things, but it's just trying to think of ways to pare down. I try to think if I haven't opened a book in a couple of years that maybe I don't need that book anymore. Um, So we just don't want to carry like loads of books around that we're never going to read again or um, that aren't really serving our current self. So that's one earth-like tip I wasn't even considering sharing. (laughs) Um, The first thing I wanted to talk about was that someone messaged me who got a variables reading from me. And um, if you don't know about these, there are a lot of people out there who gatekeep the variables. And I'm really trying to just shove that door wide open. So I do a very, very inexpensive variables field guide if you're looking to just get that information. And if you're a member of the collective, all of the variables information that I would send you in a field guide is inside the collective. Um, I do a lot of uh, support around those because I think that they're, they are so important. And, you know, it's often said not to look at our variables which I understand maybe that we need to have a solid understanding of our strategy and our authority and be living according to our energy before we get too deep into variables or too deep into sleep charts, which is something we're going to get into soon in the collective. Uh, But I also think we can absolutely support even our young, young kiddos 
with their correct variables in in easeful, resonant ways. Uh, so I'm a big fan of looking at the variables at any point in your life and trying to integrate it. It's just like if something, if you read something and it doesn't feel right to you, then you want to listen to your strategy and your authority because the variables really are contingent on you having an exact birth time. And, you know, I have a birth time on my birth certificate, but there's always the chance that something happened in the course of that and they didn't look up at the time and they guesstimated, you know. Uh, and if it's off by a few minutes, it can mean that those those are off. I mean, anything in your chart can be off, but it's more likely that the variables will be off within a few minutes or like your moon gates um, change quite rapidly, things like that. But this person messaged me because they said that they had read that I was a quad left and they are a quad left and they don't feel like a quad left. And by quad left, I mean all four of their arrows face left, which means they are very... And I am very uh, like logical in my thinking and like linear in the way that I do things and a little bit more in that masculine uh, goal-oriented energy, which is really kind of what we're moving out of as we move into the new paradigm. We're moving into more of the right, feminine, creative, process-oriented, intuitive energy. And I've spoken about this because, yes, I'm a quad left, and that means that I excelled in school. I graduated from school a year early. Like, it was made for people like me who think in that kind of way and can think in that kind of way. But that does not mean that you're not creative. It does not mean that you're not intuitive. There are lots of other places that that shows up. And, you know, what I shared with this person is what I'll share with you, which is that we are much, much more... Um, than the sum of our parts, you know? And sometimes when we're parsing something out, like we're looking at the fact that we're a quad left and we're reading about that and we're thinking, well, that doesn't sound like me. It's really because this person, like I barely glanced at the rest of their chart because, you know, we weren't doing a full reading. We were just doing a little variables guide. But I did glance at their astrology and they were like, I think they were a Sagittarius North Node and a Pisces sun, maybe, those two things in general would already make you feel like, well, yeah, that doesn't really make sense for me. We are so complex, you know, and that's why it's good to, you know, be in the collective and pull threads and like look at everything holistically or get a reading with somebody that feels resonant to you who can look at things more holistically with whatever you're looking to work on in your life right now because it is... um we can't just, you know, piece it together. We can't just like take one thing and look at it uh, without considering so much else and all of the other threads that we can pull in the complexities of our chart and the complexities of being human. So I hope that helps someone if you're like looking at something and you're like, this doesn't make sense. I also think, you know, a lot of times we have conflicting things in our chart and I think it's important to remember that Two things can be true at once, you know? Like, yes, they can they can blend together to create who we are as a person, but also two opposing things can be true at one time, you know, in different ways in our life. So we always want to try to look at things from the macro view as much as we can when we're, we're looking at our needle charts and our body graph. I had another thought off of that thought and I lost it. Maybe I'll get it back. 
while I'm talking. The next thing I wanted to talk about was some Earthlux stuff. So um, if you've been following me, you know that I work a lot with the with the Cosmic Trinity. So I'm always looking at our heavenly luck and the um, cosmic timing of things. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about, timing. So I had a person come in for a reading for their for well, they were coming in for a reading about career because they were thinking about changing career, and it just so happened to be that they were smack dab in the middle of their second Saturn return. And a lot of people don't realize, you know, we hear so much about our first Saturn return, but the reality is most people will have a second Saturn return, and some people will have a third, and those are still very influential. And this person was coming to me being like, I feel like I want to shake everything up. You know, I feel like I want to change careers, but I don't know what that looks like. And I'm trying to figure it out. And um, they're feeling that way because they're going to their second Saturn return. So yes, it may be less intense than our first one. You know, our first one is very much a pivotal uh, threshold to adulthood. Um, but it's still going to be very influential and, you know, a lot of transits are very influential. Like we can be going through something and not really understand what's happening. And it can be because we're having a major Neptune transit or a major Uranus transit. You know, the midlife crisis is really the Uranus opposition and, uh, or we're having a big Pluto crisis. I mean, Pluto transit. Um, so there's lots of reasons in our, in our cosmic weather and, uh, that can influence the way that we're feeling and that can create change or upheaval or confusion. So it's always good. It can be good to know what's happening so that you don't feel like what is wrong with me to know that you're under an influence and how to utilize that influence uh, to the best of your abilities to like squeeze the goodness out of it, you know, and what it can, what it can teach you and what it can show you and what it can clarify and how it can help you up level rather than like kind of being taken by it. Uh, so yeah, I wanted to mention that. And then the rest of this stuff I think that I wanted to mention is a lot about earth luck. So cosmic Trinity, heavenly luck, which is like the cosmos and our epigenetics and our ancestry and human luck is our thoughts and our actions and our uh, words and our emotions and our how we're mindfulness or not and the ways that we kind of magnetize and co-create with the universe and our earth luck, which is our location and our like earth energy and chi of our environment. So Yes, I tend to lump in our human design environment and our astro cartography into our earth luck, even though those things could also be lumped into heavenly luck. But because it so much influences our physical environment, I just like to throw it in with earth luck and feng shui. So I wanted to talk about a few things. Uh, one is that when you're traveling, it can be really helpful to carry something with you to clear the energy of the spaces that you're in. I, you know, I stayed in two spaces in Sedona, um, but I stayed in a lot of spaces getting there and getting back. And um, going there, I forgot to bring anything with me to clear. So it wasn't until I got there that I bought some ethically sourced Palo Santo spray. 
just uh, to, to clear the energy of my space and some juniper incense. And so, you know, it's good to get into a habit every day. I mentioned in last week's newsletter about opening your windows every morning for five to 20 minutes to like let new energy come in, always opening your blinds to let the sunlight in. And it can be a really good practice to get into to clear energy, but especially if you've been sick, if you had a headache, if you got into an argument with your partner, like those are all times when you really want to, if you were just feeling like in a funk for a couple days, to like go through and intentionally clear your space, whether that's with burning herbs or you can even burn a cinnamon stick if you have that on hand with intention and like say, you know, a little prayer as you walk around and do it, or you use a spray like the one I had. There's lots of different kinds of sprays. Um, this one was like Palo Santo and it had, was infused with fluorite crystals, which I really liked. Uh, and I used almost the whole spray while I was there and like getting back. So that's the first thing I wanted to mention is clearing the energy because when you're going into a hotel room, you're really in the energy of everybody that's been, you know, nobody is probably going in clearing the energy of those spaces. So it's a really good practice to get into. And also like saying a prayer to your benevolent, you know, guides to help you clear any interferences from any environment that you enter as well as your physical mental and emotional and spiritual bodies. Uh, but also just move in the energy with some intention. And if you don't have something with you, you can go through and like clap to clear the energy with intention. The thing that you want to do after that is make sure that you wash your hands all the way up to your elbows before you like eat any food or um, put things in your mouth with your hands. Uh, and just like in general to wash your hands after you do clearing is a good, is a good practice. But I wanted to mention that. I also wanted to mention, I think it was in last week's podcast or in the last couple podcasts, I talked about dropping a grounding cord and the importance of dropping a grounding cord and how to do that. And I wanted to mention too that you can do that for your space. So you can do that for the room that you're in. You can imagine dropping a grounding cord from the center of the room that you're in all the way down to the core of the earth. To strengthen it, you can even imagine dropping it from four corners, but you can also just drop it from the center. You can drop a grounding cord for your home. Uh, you, I drop a grounding cord for Harold, for my dog, uh, because he tends to be like a really anxious little guy, and it's just good practice anyway to help him feel grounded. So when I'm doing my morning meditation and I drop a grounding cord every day since I've gotten back into the practice, um, I also drop one for him, and I drop one for the room I'm in, and I drop one for the home I'm in. Uh, you can also drop one for your for like the things that you're working on to like bring them down to earth. Like a lot of times, you know, I highly, highly, highly recommend visualizations to all of my clients for manifestation. But we can get those really trapped up in our third eye and up in our headspace, and we want to ground them down to the earth plane so that we're bringing them down to earth. So you can imagine grounding, like dropping a grounding cord from your projects that you're working on or from the logo of your business, whatever it is to help ground that energy and concretize uh, the co-creation of that on the earth plane. And it's really less about the symbol that you use and more about your intention. So don't overthink it, just whatever comes to mind uh, to help ground it down to the earth. 
Um, and if you missed how to do that, you can go back and listen to the, to the one that I, um, kind of detailed how to drop a grounding cord. And also there's no wrong way to drop a grounding cord. It's just, it really has a lot to do with your intention to ground. The next one I wanted to talk about was I had a question come in about, uh, whether or not if, if it comes between putting your bed in command or the power position and putting your bed so that you're facing one of your four directions when you sleep, which one should you focus on? And if you don't know what these things are, so command position for your bed means that you can see the door when you sit up. It's usually at a diagonal, so your bed is not on the same wall as the door, and it's not on the opposite wall with your feet facing out the door. Those are the two ways that you you really don't want it to be facing. If it's possible to move it, you want to move it. Um, if it's facing the door, meaning your bed is on the opposite wall of the door, the entrance to the room, you can place a feng shui crystal halfway between the foot of your bed and the door to help break up that energy. If your bed is on the same wall as the door and you cannot move it, you should try to move it. That's the best thing to do. But if you cannot, absolutely cannot move it, then you can hang a mirror so that you can reflect the door, not reflect the bed. You don't want to reflect the bed, but you can look in the mirror and see the door. But preferably you want it on one of the side walls so that when you're sitting up in bed, you can see the door. That takes precedent over everything else I ever tell you about bed placement or your four directions. If you don't know your four directions, I'll link it in the podcast notes how to find that because I have a blog post on it on my website. But this person is talking about facing one of their four directions. Well, sleeping in one of their four directions, which is different than facing. So when we're trying to sleep in one of our four directions, that means we're standing at the foot of the bed facing the headboard. And that direction is one of our four directions. It's either, and you know, if you have options, you might be like, I want to sleep facing my health direction because that's what I'm working on. Or I want to sleep um, in my success direction, because that's what I'm really working on or my relationships or my like wisdom, self-improvement direction, but you may not have options. Most people don't. Most people are just trying to get it in one of those directions. So first you want to have your bed in command position. Second, if possible, you want to be sleeping in one of your directions, which means when you're laying down in bed, the top of your head, the crown of your head is facing one of those directions. So like I said, you can stand at the foot of your bed facing the headboard, preferably with a a water compass, like a magnetic water compass, not your phone compass, unless you really trust your phone compass. Mine is like totally off most of the time. Um, And see if you can face the top of your head towards one of your four directions. If you can do that and be in command position, that's amazing. But if you can't do that, then you just want to put your bed in command position. And then you want to make sure that you try to face. And when I say face, I mean your face is facing one of your directions when you're working. So if your chair, when you sit in your chair at your desk, is facing one of your four directions, then you're getting a lot of time in every day facing that direction. 
And in your living room, if you're sitting facing one of your directions when you're watching TV or reading or whatever you're doing when you're in your living room, then that's another place where we, we tend to spend a lot of time. If you sit down and eat dinner at the dinner table every night, then maybe you pick the chair where you're facing one of your directions or you get in the habit of like knowing which way that is. And when you go out to eat, you try to sit in one of the chairs facing your direction, one of your four directions. Uh, but you know, we spend like a third of our lives in bed. So when we can have our sleeping position facing one of our directions, it's optimal. Uh, and then we spend a lot of time in the office if we work. So when we can face one of our directions to work, that's amplifying that energy and anytime we can do it. But thinking about the, the ways that you sit for like the bulk of your life, um, what position are you sitting in? Uh, can help offset if your house faces like when you walk out your front door so as you're walking out your door that direction is one of your four directions that also amplifies your earth luck Uh, so there's lots of ways we can play with it and I want to emphasize that there's never perfect feng shui you're never going to live in a place where you have all the things, where your door faces the right direction, where your bed faces the right direction, where your desk faces the right direction, where you don't have any poison arrows in your space, where you don't have any problems. Like there's always going to be things, but the good thing about feng shui is that there's usually cures for things or ways that we can work around the problems. Um, so I wanted to to share that because it might be helpful for someone else. Also, I had a member make these really beautiful uh, phone screensavers of the directions. So I'll, I'll share those in this week's newsletter. And thank you for doing that, April. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention, so as I said, I kind of go out and travel for a while and then I come back and then I go out and travel for a while and I come back until I figure out where I want to be more permanently. And I, I use permanently loosely because of my, um, my fourth house is ruled by a planet in detriment, so I do have a lot of inconsistency in home. Uh, but when I came back to this place that I'm staying in Texas, um, I've been playing with the feng shui in, in the room that I'm staying in, but it's not my room, and I don't want to just like go moving everything around, though I think I am going to move some stuff around this time. Um, because I was, I mentioned when I was doing the feng shui of the of the space I was one of the spaces I was stayed in Sedona um like all of the problematic things that were going on in that room and I mentioned at the time artwork but I didn't really get into it and I don't know something about coming back this time I was just really aware of the artwork in this room so hanging over my bed right now is a is a really beautiful uh painting that my grandfather brought back from Vietnam uh, of, of a Vietnamese woman. And it's just one woman hanging over the bed and she looks kind of sad. So that's not really the kind of energy that you want. If you want to have healthy relationships in your life, there are things that you can do. Um, you know, the bedroom is like one of the main places that we feng shui because we, we do spend so much time there. And it's not great to have artwork over your bed that's not in alignment or resonant with what you want to call in or create. So you typically want not images of single people or 
or unless you are someone who is in an open relationship or polyamorous or inviting multiple people into your bed, which if you are more power to you, that's your jam. If you're not and you're looking for like a one-to-one relationship, then it's good to have an image hanging over your bed either of your current partnership or of something that represents partnership to you or something that represents love. If you're not looking for partnership and you want to put something over there that just symbolizes you and your power, that's great too. Um, But just think about how that image might affect the energy of what you want. And is it aligned with the energy of of what you want? Even if you have some like crazy, chaotic, abstract painting over your bed and you're not sleeping well, you might try replacing that with a mountain and see uh, if that changes. If you have it's not great to have waterfalls um, in your in your room either, or like a lot of water, but like an earth image or a mountain image, um, something in nature, and see if that changes. It's all an experiment, and that's what I love about all of this stuff. It's all an experiment. So I'm just uh, inviting you to kind of look around at what artwork you have hanging in your hanging in your bedroom and see if it's aligned with what you want to create. The other thing I had was. Well, two things actually. So in my health direction is uh, a screen print of a sailboat, which is not usually a bad thing. Like sailboats can be a good thing in feng shui uh, on calm seas. This is not calm seas. This is on rough seas. (laughs) So not a great image to have in my health direction. Going to move that. And then I also, I picked up, I have some things that I've picked up along the way kind of set up in different places and I picked up this really really beautiful photograph at this gallery in in Wimberley Texas uh, of this man in Ethiopia and I picked it up one because it was stunning and two because Ethiopia is on one of my good astrocartography lines and so I'm always looking to connect with those places from other other ways than just traveling there. And so I bought this piece of art and it's really it's really beautiful like I said, but it is a man like staring at you from the bush. And that's not like <laughs> going to necessarily create great feelings of safety while you're sleeping, you know? Um so I put it away and honestly, I slept better. Uh, I also have a poison arrow in this room where there's a corner where the closet comes out and the corner is facing the bed. Uh, And so I have a plant there to help blend the energy there and like uh, take away the sharpness of that edge. So lots of ways I can work with energy in here. Uh, But I wanted to mention again the importance of art. You know, if you have an image of a tiger in your bedroom, then your subconscious doesn't know the difference between that being a fake tiger on a painting or a real tiger sitting next to you while you're trying to sleep. Uh, so it can be really good to, to just be mindful of the images that you have and are they calming images? What, how do they make you feel? And are they in alignment with what you want to create and call in, especially with the image over your bed? So like I said, over your bed, 
if you want to be in a couple, if you want to be in partnership at any point in your life, or you just want to have healthy relationships in your life, then having an image over your bed of you in this healthy relationship, in the partnership is great, or something that symbolizes healthy partnership to you. Uh, yeah. I think that's everything that I had for today. Not as short as I thought, but thanks for tuning in all the way if you did, and I hope you got some value out of it, and I hope you're well wherever you are in the world listening, and I will catch you next time.